Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, interviews, profiles of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my wife with the mostest. I'm your hostess with the mostest. You're my hostess with the mostest. And your name is? Just Jen. Just Jen. And you're along with us as we're um, doing this Hope Radio podcast during the COVID-19 outbreak. Pandemic. You know, I have mixed feelings about saying that word. Pandemic. It seems so ominous. Pandemic. Stop. (laughs) You're making it more ominous. Pandemic. Jennifer. That's what I have to call her when she's in trouble. Jennifer, stop (laughs) saying that. Pandemic. How you doing? How you doing during this uh, quarantine of quarantines? Are you asking me? Yeah. I'm doing just fabulous. I mean, like this is the... I'm living my life. This is like the what, fourth week, fifth week? Yeah. I'm grateful that I'm waking up every day. It's just, you know, it's like Groundhog's Day. It's great. You know what I think? I think that these days sometimes... Or like dog year days. Yes, for sure. One day equals seven days. Right. Feels like. Right. Do you have, it's kind of funny. Do you have um, a different feeling on the weekends than weekdays? Only because on the weekends I get a cheat day and I get to eat something really fun. Always about food. <laughs> but with that's you. the only difference between a weekend and a weekday for me. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand that. For me, the, the weekends do feel slightly different. Maybe because we do the podcast throughout the week and then the weekends are kind of off days or whatever. Yeah. But I'm, uh, just, I'm just looking forward to what I'm going to have as a cheat meal. Always food. Mm-hmm. Always food on your mind. Always. You're probably looking at food on your phone Actually, right now. Actually, I am. <laughs> See, I knew it. Well, hey, I found an uplifting story about companies coming together to help people. Yeah. And Hyundai and Genesis are offering a generous response to the coronavirus and its effect on people. They're actually waiving up to six months of car payments for owners who lose their jobs due to the current economic climate. Did you know that? No, that is amazing, though. I think that that's one of the more heartwarming things Mm -hmm. that has been a byproduct of this is actually seeing not only people come together, but seeing companies do their part, whether it's auto manufacturers making ventilators or personal protection equipment or somebody like Hyundai and Genesis offering to mm. waive payments for six months. I just I, think that's heartwarming. I did see that today at Shake Shack, which is an, another amazing restaurant, they, you know, the the stimulus checks yes. or whatever you guys are The money they back. got? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they're giving back their $10 million or something like that because... Or however much they're getting back. I think it was $10 million. I Was think, it $10 million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're giving it back because they're like, you know what? We don't need this, but there are little businesses out there that do. So I was like, yeah, Shake Shack. Yes, Shake, shake Shack. It up. Yeah, Let's that's go to awesome. Vegas and have some Shake Shack. I think so. We're going to do that. We have a when, flight planned. When we can fly. We had like five flights booked yeah. before all this happened, and then they've all been canceled. Yeah, they, they canceled that one too. We had so. two trips to Mexico that we were going to take. Three. Canceled. Three. Three. June, Three? Yeah, June oh. was canceled. Our Vegas trip has been canceled. But that's okay. I don't want to fly on that plane when there's other yuckies happening. Yeah, I agree. All right, so if you're listening, I would say a couple different things. Number one, please like and follow. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. So you can find us there, like and follow. And you can find us on iTunes, recently added iHeartRadio. Yes. Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Spotify. Spotify. All those places. We are, Jennifer, we are everywhere. We are everywhere. I'm so excited about that. We are everywhere. Trying to spread the message of hope. Lift people's spirits. Yeah. In that vein, we're on to a new <laughs> segment. What's I'm it? really excited about. What is it? We're gonna, what is we're, it? We're going to start doing this. It is... Joke time. <laughs> you tell a joke. I tell a joke. I we make jokes joke. happen. You have a food joke? I, of course, have a food joke. Oh, of course. You I'm, do. I only know food jokes. All right. Okay. You want to hear my joke? I want to hear your joke. Okay. Ready? Yes. What do you call a fake noodle? I don't know what. An impossible. 
pasta. That was awesome. You didn't laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny. But you know what? Then again, we can go back to you never think anything I do is funny. I think I'm funny. Well, in pasta. There's a lot of things that you do that I think are funny. I just didn't think that was funny. <laughs> I'm totally not laughing at your joke. Your You're jo- not? your joke's already dumb. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Today at the bank an old lady asked me to help her. I can't even say it right. See, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Can I start over? No. Today at the bank an old lady asked me to check her balance. So I pushed her over. That's mean. <sighs> You didn't laugh at that one either? No, and your little machine over there didn't even laugh. (laughs) (laughs) A fake round of applause. I got a real round of applause. Come on now. (laughs) All right. Why would you push over the old lady? Check her balance. (laughs) I do yoga. Why would you check her balance? That's personal information. Because I do do yoga. I I want to see if she would do yoga with me. I'm thinking people are going to agree with my joke that it was much more funnier. Well, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Send us a comment. Send us a (laughs) direct message if you like Jen's joke better or if you like my joke better. Mine would have been better if I'd rolled it out like the way it was supposed to be rolled out. Jen's joke. Come on. And then you purposely didn't laugh. Jen's joke. Jen's joke. Jen's joke. All right. So I, I just want to share with you, I'm super excited. We've got a really awesome guest coming on our show today. Her name is Andrea Pintosi. I like her name. Yeah. It's Italian like I, me. I know. And that's immediately what I thought you were going to connect <laughs> with. And uh, her story is one of faith, hope. She probably liked my pasta joke, right? She probably did. I bet she'll tell you okay. that she liked it. Okay. But her story is one of faith, hope, perseverance and overcoming and um i don't want to spoil anything for you but i'm excited to have her on because i think that there's some commonality between her story and some of our own personal story and um i'm just going to surprise you how how about that yeah i'm excited to talk to her should we get her on the line let's do it all right here we go all right so we've got andrea pentosi on the line i'm so excited to talk (laughs) with her and hear her story so welcome to the show andrea how are you today Oh my goodness. I am so great. Thank you for having me. I'm like very grateful to be in this space this morning with you. Well, we're grateful to uh, have you. And so thank you for sharing time with us. Thank you for being courageous and vulnerable and coming on our podcast Mm -hmm. to, to listen to your life and maybe help some others. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself if you would? Yeah. So, oh my goodness, where to begin? Um, <laughs> I am actually stay-at-home mommy to a little three-year-old toddler. So that first job, that first hat I wear, keeps me quite busy. And I also run my own lifestyle coaching business where I just share with women, you know, busy moms and women, how they can actually regain their happiness and peace back in their lives. Because man, you throw kids into the mix and it gets kind of hard with, you know, trying to keep keep the the home healthy, but also ourselves. I dive into a little bit of mindset work and then also faith. My health coaching business is really rooted in faith ministry because faith is what has got me to this point today. And without it, I would probably still be in some dark places. I'm also a certified uh, trauma recovery yoga instructor. And I found that last year to be really helpful for my own baggage. I think we're often you know, oftentimes we're taught to just sweep things up under the rug and then keep it moving. And you cannot do that. (laughs) It's going to halt you and stop you in a lot of places in your life. When it comes to growth, confidence in yourself and expanding, I found that to be super helpful for myself. And I'm excited to bring that to other people. I just, we just recently moved to South Florida right before all of this happened. Like talk about a huge blessing because my husband still has his job. We get enjoy this beautiful weather. Like it's just, God definitely knew what he was doing, but this actual method is not here yet. And so I'm really excited to bring it here to help individuals on that level to just heal another, another tool to add to their tool belt when it comes to healing themselves. Well, I know you've got a a significant tool bag of (laughs) maybe life changing ways to think about your future, your destiny, your faith, you know, your circumstances, et cetera. So, you know, I think I I think it'd be good for our listeners to uh, understand a little bit more about the journey that you went through some years ago and some of the challenges that you faced in doing so because it wasn't always um you had all your stuff together right 
You said no. <laughs> I don't think anybody does, do they? <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we, we all have to go through some things to get to where we are. But yeah, I don't mind sharing that at all. You used to live so, in Vegas, right? So this was this was a I time mean, when you were in Vegas? This was actually a time when I lived in Kansas City. So I grew up in Kansas City. I'm the oldest of five, came from like a pretty like, you know, middle class family background. You know, we went to church every Sunday, Wednesday night, yeah, sometimes Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> like we were pretty rooted like in our faith. My parents were youth pastors. So I, I've always had that at the core. And that I feel like is a, is a big piece to my story because had I not had that, I might not be where I'm at today. But I had a pretty typical normal childhood, although I am a product of a divorced family. There were some things, you know, that I shouldn't have seen or ways I should have been talked to growing up. But, you know, I kind of suppressed that and, you know, swept that under the rug, like I said earlier. And it wasn't until I was playing college basketball as a sophomore that I got pregnant. And totally, obviously not planned. I actually wasn't going to keep the baby, but my sister told my mom and dad, and they're like, no, 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 this is, you're, you're not going that route. You know, you were adult enough to partake in certain activities for this baby to be here. So you're going to be an adult and have the baby. And that was the first step, I think, in, in God directing my life. And fortunately, I had a stillbirth. And for those that are not familiar with what a stillbirth is, I was not familiar with a stillbirth either when I was, what, 20 years old. I had actually, I was taking a psychology class and I was six months pregnant and I was doing a paper on the psychological effect on pregnant women when they lose their child, whether it's a miscarriage, if they do decide to have an abortion, you know, an accident or a stillbirth. And I was like, oh, what's a stillbirth? This is, I've never heard of that before. And that's when you carry your baby pretty far into your pregnancy and you end up losing the baby, but you still give birth to the baby. So the baby's already passed and you give birth, hence the stillbirth. And so I had kind of educated myself on what was about to happen to me, which is pretty insane when you look back on it. And I think that's God at work right there. Yes, 1000%. He was definitely preparing me for something that was about to happen. And I truly believe God doesn't put you through things that he doesn't feel that you're going to come out stronger or you're going to have a story to share with somebody else. And I know people sometimes don't like that analogy, but for me, I couldn't, it couldn't be any more true. The day of my checkup, I had this, you know, just feeling come over me, you know, baby's not here. I remember crying. My mom was telling me, you know, it's his first time mom jitters, like you're, everything's okay. I'm Sure enough, we go to the checkup and they can't find a heartbeat. And then um, the next day they induced me in the hospital and I gave birth. And I, when I look back on it, like I don't really remember like crying hysterically and sobbing. I think there were so many things that had already happened in, in my childhood and adolescence that I had put up this barrier of just sleep on the rug and move on, you know, the strong, tough exterior and not dealing with it. And that was the the, what they call the straw on the camel's back that just broke me when it came to my faith and just thinking like God's taking care of me. And that's where I started to go down the slippery slope of like, all right, well, God doesn't got it. I got it. And so I, you know, turned to alcohol. I turned to drugs. I turned to a lot of really bad things, hanging out with people I had no business hanging out with and completely just kind of life shattering, altering my life. I got a scholarship after, after that happened to come down to Florida. Which is, yeah. You know. I just want to go back. So here you are in the doctor's office and you're age 20. Is that, is that right? Yes. So you're mm-hmm. 20. How far along were you at this point where you're realizing you're having a stillbirth? I was seven months pregnant. Yeah. Seven months along you, that's, you know, a baby. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's a baby from yeah. the very first second, but wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm going back to, because I, I had a miscarriage right, almost right at five months. So I'm kind of like totally. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm just, I'm really like relating to your story here. So now you said yeah. that you sensed something. Is that correct? You sensed that the baby was not with you. Yeah, I had been having dreams that whole week telling me, you know, you need to have this baby. And I know I shared it with my mom and she's like, no, you know, first time mommy jitters, everything's okay. You know, your checkups this week, 
And just something just kept telling me, like, no, it's not. Baby's gone. Like, I just knew it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, when you're when you're pregnant, you just sense certain things. And that mommy intuition mm-hmm. or that gut instinct, which I call the spirit, is always leading you right. Like, it's, it's preparing you for something. And so... When you actually got the confirmation that, yes, the baby had passed... How did you process that? Like, what feelings, emotions did you have in terms of processing that? In a way, I felt validation that my feelings and what was going on was like, okay, I, I was right. What I was yeah. feeling is right. Like, of course, I was sad and distraught, but in a way, I was also prepared for it. So it wasn't as hard hitting in the gut, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally. I knew, like, oh. I had those same feelings, so I totally understand. It's like you kind of, like, know before you're told. So you've, yeah. you've already, like, in your mind, aren't hearing something new, like, what's next kind of thing. Now, you, you had mentioned that you're yeah. contemplating not, not having the baby, yet your family had encouraged you, nope, that's not going to be the case. And so had you gotten yeah. yourself kind of firmly wrapped around the thought that you were going to be a mom and, like, 100% invested in what was going to happen in the future by the time that this had had happened or were you, you know, still kind of like processing, Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. What's my life going to look like mm-hmm. kind of thing. So what, what was your mindset prior to that event? Yeah, I definitely thought, you know, okay, I'm too young to be having this baby, another crazy God intervening type kind of situation. My boyfriend at the time was not happy that I was keeping the baby because we had decided not to do that. So he was already like irate and not happy with me. And so I was like, well, I don't want to like, now I'm having this baby now I'm by myself. Like I definitely don't want to do that. And I was like, all of these emotions, like I was crying my whole pregnancy, you know, hormones, your hormones during pregnancy are already like through the roof, add on, you know, this other stuff. And then I'm only 20. Um, And so my grandma had reached out to my mom and she said we were, she told her, she's like, we were just in this, you know, church cell group and there's this couple that shared with us, they've been trying to have a baby and they can't and they're looking to adopt and they are an interracial couple. Well, that pregnancy for me, my, my boyfriend was African-American and so the baby was going to be a mixed baby and they were really looking to adopt the mixed baby. And my grandma called my mom and was asking, you know, just sharing it with her. And she shared it with me. And so then I kind of wrapped my head around, well, maybe this is God telling me that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I started wrapping my head around that. Then, of course, you know, your baby, your belly starts to grow and you're like, okay, you know, you're connecting to baby. And so boyfriend came around and I was like, okay, we're doing this. And so, like, I really was excited. Like, this is happening. And then, and then that happened. So it's like, it was like all... You know, life life is just always throwing stuff at you. You think you've got it under control, and then bam, you're knocked down. Yeah. And so it was just like these things. I kept getting knocked down, and I'm just like, oh, God, what? Is, what do you? What? What is happening with my life? What are you doing to me? Yeah, I can I can imagine it was quite a roller coaster of emotions. You find out you're pregnant. You know, you're you're overwhelmed. I'm too young. You you talk about all the reasons why it shouldn't work or that it won't work, and then you finally get yourself kind of righted and centered and you're like, okay, we're going to do this and all the cards align. And then all of a sudden the rug pulls out from under you again. And now it's not happening. And, you know, I think uh, being a male, it's hard for me to obviously say I can understand, but I, I just, you know, losing a child through a miscarriage or through stillbirth, I would imagine stillbirth having to deliver the baby still Mm -hmm. that has got to be Mm -hmm. some kind of just emotional experience to say the least well because you're going through the whole process yet your baby Mm -hmm. you know is still is it's a stillbirth so it's like you do go through all those same emotions and you know you're delivering a baby that you're not going to Mm -hmm. really be taking home with you yeah so it is definitely oh it's a it's a tough situation yeah yeah. So you said that that led to um, some dark places for you. So so walk us through the next couple of weeks, couple of months in your life post the event and what was going through your head, what you were feeling, you know, just walk us through that. Yeah, I was on a basketball scholarship, so I got right back to playing basketball. 
but I still felt kind of like this emptiness. I was not happy. I, I, so I just, I mean, I feel like, like a lot of people, we turn to things to fulfill us that we think are going to bring us joy and happiness. And one of those big things is alcohol. And then after you kind of abuse the alcohol, the next thing is, you know, experimenting with drugs, not for everybody, but for people that fall in those dark places, it does. And that happened. And I was doing that while I was, you know, playing sports. Like, I don't even, I don't even think my parents are aware of any of it. I surrounded myself by the wrong kind of people. I was not taking care of myself. I definitely count my blessings for even being alive. So I was in many situations where, gosh, if you look back on it, a, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old should not be. But I, luckily, at that time, I was playing basketball. So it was kind of something to keep pulling me back out of that. And I feel Ground like you. It, it grounded my, you probably yeah. and brought you back to some center, some normal aspect of your life. Yeah, and I feel like my whole my whole life, God was kind of always pulling me out of these little ruts. Like, you know, I got down with, you know, with the drinking and, and the drugs, and then he presented the opportunity with another scholarship to take me to Florida. So it was kind of like he was like, we got to get you out of Dodge. Like, you're, you're not handling it here. I got to get you out of here. And um, I was very thankful for that. Um, and so then I went down to Florida, but then I... I don't know if it was from how I treated my body with substances, but I developed a heart murmur. And down here playing basketball, I was having a really, really hard time. I had to go to the doctors and do EKGs and even figure out if I could even play at that level because NCAA Division II, their D1 school. And luckily, I was okay. So, like, count my blessings there. But then I fell back into that deep hole again. I was like, I don't want to play basketball. I just, you know, I want to party. Still really young. Yeah. And I think the trauma of the event, I think we, we spoke about this a little bit, and I see some of that going on right now. Like, I see people turning immediately to alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's like to numb the pain. I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to have anxiety. I don't want to yeah. have worry. I don't want to feel those intense emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the lack of control, the lack of, you know, what just happened to my yeah. life kind of thing makes people turn and want to numb. Well, yeah, just, I mean, scrolling on Facebook now, like everyone's posting, they're just drinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, this isn't a good thing. I I mean, I I get why they're doing it, but it's not a good long-term thing. Yeah, that's not a good solution to the (laughs) pandemic. No. (laughs) Nor is it a good solution for any, any, you know, life trauma. Yeah, to try to numb it. Like, I mean, you shouldn't ever really try to numb your pain. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in just dealing with it. Yeah, head on. Mm -hmm. I know that's hard, but you got to deal with it. So walk us through that. At what point did all of this kind of reconcile for you? How did you ultimately decide to kind of deal with what had been happening to you and maybe some of the choices that you were making that you weren't proud of? Well, it kind of continued after that. I feel like after I quit basketball in Florida and then, you know, stayed down here and, you know, Found some new friends, lived with them, did my thing. Again, God brought me back home. He's like, get you back home. <laughs> lived with my mom and dad. Uh, then I had the opportunity to move to New York and model in New York. So I signed with an agency, started modeling in New York. Did lots of really cool things like Couture Fashion Week and booked lots of stuff. But then again, that industry, I was tempted with those things in the past that I kept being tempted with and I got sucked back in. And so... I felt like God kept pulling me out, and then I kept saying, no, I got this, I can do it on my own. And then I would slip back slip back away. So then, obviously, I had to move back home again, and I was like, I don't want to be home. Like, there, there's more for me. I, I got this, I got this, I can do this. And so I moved to Vegas, which is, like, the worst <laughs> place to probably move if you have any kind of addiction or just you're on a slippery slope. But do, I do your parents know? Do your parents know through any of this if you're dealing with drugs or anything like that? Or... No, I know they know that I drank yeah. um, because that was just something that was, you know, in the home growing up, mm-hmm. um, but they did not know about the drugs. So you're not using all. them as um, a support system at all at this point. You're just, you're doing this on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Completely. And then when I, when I told my parents I was moving to Vegas, they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, I already freaked them out enough about the New York. And so I literally, I took, I took one suitcase and moved to Vegas, like cross country. Wow. And uh, yeah, but 
it was all part of God's crazy plan for me again, <laughs> because then that's where I met my husband, Joey. And he's from Kansas City, Missouri, too, where I grew up. We grew up an hour and a half away from each other. Met in Las Vegas, but both in 2005 in Kansas City, we both lost babies the same year. His baby was six months premature, and mine was stillbirth at seven months. Wow. So exactly the year we went through the same thing. I got chill and, bumps um, everywhere. <laughs> wow. Same city oh, yeah. and, and, and same experience without having any knowledge that either one yeah. at the time was now going through. Now you know it. God is talking to you. Like, that is God. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at this point, Completely. I hear I'm you, like, God. Like, <laughs> yeah, straight up smack across the face, like, get it together, woman. Um, so I'm like, okay, I see you, I see you. Um, and there's one really cool story that I want to share. So yeah. we met, we were hanging out, we were still, you know, you know, on our spiritual path of getting to a better place. And I had brought up to him, I was like, I really want to get back into church. Like, it was totally random. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, yeah, I support you, let's do it. And so I was at Walmart, of all places, and I'm in line, and this guy was just like, hey, what church do you go to? What? Who says that? Like, I just had this conversation with Joey yesterday, and I'm like, well, that's funny you say that, because I'm actually looking for a church. I've been here for about, like, eight months. I don't know. And so he tells me this church, and I'm like, great. It's like a non-denominational church. It's the way I grew up. It sounds amazing. I go pay for my stuff, and I turn back around, and he is gone. He's nowhere. Nowhere. And, like... You should be in the line right behind me. The line's small. And so, like, I kind of, like, freak out for a moment. I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, that was that was God. That yes. was God telling me I have to go to this church. I love and that so story. You, yeah. It's just, like, I, it, yeah, it makes me, like, I get all giddy sharing it. It's so <laughs> powerful. And and we went. And we even went. We I would go out the night before, and I would I was still partying, but I would still get up, and I would go to church, uh-huh. still with alcohol on my breath, because I always taught... <laughs> Come as you are. Yeah, God God loves us no matter what. (laughs) He will see you through that. And the more you come, the more your moral compass is going to get back into tune. And you'll stop, you know, trying to figure out life on your own. And that's what I did. I was like, I don't care. I got to go. And he would look at me like, really? (laughs) kind of late last night. (laughs) I'm like, I I have to go. I have to go to church. (laughs) Jesus don't care what my breath smells like. I'm going. Come yeah, as you are. <laughs> Come as you are. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just felt that was a beautiful moment in my life. And that was a turning point. And I just, I really feel like God, Joey was my saving grace. Had I not met him, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, God really used him to help me. And then I think vice versa, God used me to help him too. Now, um, did he, did, many he ways. did he experience any of the same kind of emotional trauma at the loss of his child that you went through? I mean, did he have a similar, you know, after the fact, you know, rebelling or turning to alcohol or drugs or how did he process his loss? I mean, yeah, I mean, I I definitely want him to share, be able to share his story, but the the, short of the answer is is yes, yes. He definitely had stuff from his childhood and growing up and then that, was just like another like bam like another punch to the gut where you're just like I can't take it anymore like mm. you know screw it yeah. you know yeah and so yeah he when we when we met we were both in, in in dark places we were both in dark places together and we both kind of saw each other through that but I don't think it was until I got pregnant with with our daughter that that was like a huge transformation for the both of us. Let's talk about that. So you guys meet each other, you're in Vegas, you get into relationship with each other, and then you get married and, or maybe not, walk us through the timeline of your marriage, your your child, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So we've been together for nine years and married for four years. So we we dated for quite a while. Um, I I even kicked him out of the house a couple of times. Um, (laughs) Sleep on the couch. (laughs) Yeah, he probably wanted to kick me out too. You know, so we had our roller coaster. (laughs) Fun. Um, But then, yeah, then we got married. And then a year after us being married, we got pregnant. I was still cocktailing while we were dating and I got married. And was still probably, you know, doing things more, uh, drinking more than I should. Let's just say that, drinking more than I should. Um, and so I think, again, that God, this is another intervention of God saying, okay, come on, Andrea, like, stop it. <laughs> like, 
I have a plan for you that's so much greater than this. Um, stop turning to that. You know, it was a crutch for me. It's what I knew. It's what I subconsciously put on my mind as a safety mechanism, like a lot of people do. And then we got pregnant. And that was the, like, the biggest, I always say it was the birth of my daughter, but it was the rebirth of me and the rebirth of him because I really got rooted back into my faith during my pregnancy. I, I worked on a lot of mindset work. We did a home birth with her. Now, before you get to the home birth, let me just ask a question. I would imagine that given what you went through previously, were you worried your whole pregnancy that this was going to happen again? I actually was not. I just this sense of calming and peace came over me when we got pregnant. And then something really beautiful happened my my whole entire pregnancy. Um, everywhere I went, I would see beautiful white feathers just laying in front of me or around me. Mm. And, um, I told Joy that those were our angels. That was Nadia and Cassius walking over us. Like I would see them in random places. And so the casino where I work, like what, how is there a feather inside the casino? They would be on my door handle before I would get into the car. Like, okay, we're watching you and protecting you while you're driving. Um, there was one, I went all clear across town to go to a yoga studio for a pregnancy workshop. And there's just a beautiful feather, like, laying right there in front of the door as I open it. Just reminding me, like, yeah, this is where you're supposed to be so you can find more peace through this. It was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful reminder. And that gave me calmness that, like, okay, you know, God's seeing this through 100%. Now, your husband, Joey, he was feeling confident as well. Like, was his background was faith as well? So he, when I told him about the doing a home birth, he thought I was crazy. Like he, he already calls me a crazy hippie because we, <laughs> we use essential oils in the home. He did a home birth, like all of the things that are natural. So he was just like, oh my God, here we go again. He was a little worried because we had, he lost his baby in the hospital and I had lost my baby. And I told him, I was like, let's just go to this consultation with the midwife and just hear her and hear what she has to say. And if it resonates with us, then we know that, you know, God telling us is what we need to do. And we walked out of that door and he's like, we are having a home birth. And he like had all his notes and he was telling me all the things we were going to do. And I was like, do you want to know what I want to do? Like, I'm the one having the baby. So that. it was really awesome that he was on the same page as me because it was deep down and something I really wanted. And to this day, he tells people he's so proud of it. He's like, oh yeah, we had home birth and we'll do that again with all the babies. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. He's like, it was amazing. It was so easy. And I was like, what? Well, why don't you <laughs> why don't you walk us through a little bit of the uh, prior to the home birth, though? I thought this was fascinating what you shared with me about you manifesting what your birth was going to be like, what the birthday was going to be like. Yeah. So another one of my hippie ways is I'm huge into manifestation, <laughs> manifesting. I I'm always in prayer and meditating with God to kind of, you know. I want to create my life according to your plan. And here's my vision for my pregnancy. And so my vision for my pregnancy obviously was to be healthy, but the home birth aspect of it, I really wanted to play it out how it was going to be. So it was almost like a sense of preparation. So when the time came, I was very prepared and I wasn't nervous or anxious. My body could do its thing. So I manifested that it would be like, storming outside it'd be overcast because you know when it's overcast or rainy it's just really soothing and then the baby would come and then the sun would come out and it'd be this beautiful rainbow and my husband was like what he's like okay if that gets you through it sure (laughs) like whatever and I everyone's like you're so funny and I'm like that's what it's gonna be and um sure enough the we're you know 40 weeks pregnant and so Friday, he calls me and he's like, oh, it's raining outside. Are, you, are we having the baby this weekend? And I was like, well, actually, I'm at my friend's house and her dogs are never like on my belly or near me. And they're all over me, like in dogs since that. And he's like, really? And then the next day I started having Braxton Hicks contractions. And he's like, whoa. And then Sunday we had, we had her and it was still stormy. It stormed the whole weekend. It was overcast. Of course, you know. We had the baby and I didn't think about the rainbow or anything. We're just enamored, you know, with her and just proud of ourselves for doing this at home and being so brave. And then my, my friend, whose dogs were all over me, she sent me a text message Monday morning and it was a picture of a rainbow covering all of Las Vegas. No. And she was like, she's like, there's your rainbow that you were talking about. And I was like, oh my gosh, I started crying. 
And my midwife came over and I show her and she's like, yeah, that's because this is your rainbow baby. And I was like, what do you mean my rainbow baby? And she's like, after you have a loss and then you have another child, that's considered your rainbow baby. And I was like, I just bawled even more because I didn't even know that. And I was like, another way God was like, seeing me through it and preparing me and just, he was showing uh, off he's like so good. here is your yeah, he rainbow showing totally showing off <laughs> he was yeah. showing off for her yeah i mean she manifested it she believed mm-hmm. in it it's that mustard seed of yep. faith yeah. you throw it out there yes. you put it out into the world you speak it i think yes. words yes. matter and she spoke yes. it yep. and yes. he said here you go my child you yes, you you manifested it so <laughs> Here's your blessing, you know, here's, here's your, here's your yep. confirmation. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Big and bright. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Aww. So, you know, even though you went to those dark places, even though you uh, really had a difficult time, you know, just adjusting to what life had thrown you, um, I would say hearing you, you sound happy, mm-hmm. you sound content, you sound like you're thriving. So tell us a little bit about your life now after all of this. God is so good. I mean, when we are leaning in him and not on our own understanding, life is so much easier. Like, I mean, still there's going to be ups and downs, but it is so much better to have faith in him than trying to figure it out on your own and be frazzled and stressed and worried and all of these negative emotions that don't serve you. So I've decided like, if those thoughts try to come in, great. I'm going to recognize them. I'm going to deal with them. I'm not going to sweep them under the rug. Why am I feeling this way? And I'm going to grow from it. And then I'm going to lean into my faith and figure out, okay, well, why did that happen? There's a reason. So let's navigate through this. And that has been like, that's my core foundation now in my life. And it, it helps me, especially during a time like this that we're in, people are so watching the news all the time and they're stressing themselves and they're putting fear into their mind and that's not serving you in any kind of way whatsoever. And so for me, this this moment, although I am saddened for any losses and the things that the world's going through, I am just rooting myself in my faith and all I can do is take care of myself, my home, my family and um, share the things I've gone through to try to help others. Um, I'm huge into mindset. I'm huge into faith. And I share that constantly, you know, with my clients and via social media and any shape, way or form. I just say, God, use me. How can I, how can I serve somebody today? I think that's awesome. I think that's really, really awesome. It's it's great mindset. It's a great way to live life. And that's a perfect segue into just the acknowledgement of what kind of an environment we're in right now. I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of people that are anxious. I think that there are people that are worried. I think that, there are people that are significantly unsettled. And so being someone that has overcome what you have, some of the adversity that you'd face, what would you say to somebody right now that's feeling anxious, that's feeling worried, that may not have the faith center that you have? What would you say to them about the present situation and how they should handle it? One, breathe. First, breathe. Take a deep breath. Breathe in. I tell it out there. Yes. I mean, there's just so much science and just that alone, but just taking a couple of breaths and you just kind of sit and you can kind of figure out, okay, I'm actually in control of my thoughts and my feelings. Nobody else has that power over me. And once we recognize that we can really start to shape and shift our lives in a much more positive manner. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I think that the power of positivity is super important. I think the power of focus and attention. We had some guys come on our show week before last, and I think they did something that I felt was really, really critical right now, which is only watching the news for five minutes in the morning and then five minutes in the evening. You know, in other words, get your morning news, but don't obsess about it. Then get your evening news for the day, but don't obsess about it. And don't do it after like five or six because it could affect your ability to sleep, et cetera. So, you know, I think the problem is when Absolutely. people, you know, lay in bed and scroll through the news and then try to go to sleep, how how restless is that? I mean, all you see is pandemic, COVID, deaths, recovery. Mm-hmm. When are they going to open it up? You're like, it's just nothing. It's just all noise and it's not good noise. Yeah. And so I think if you can limit that and then your point about your conscious thought, a lot of people don't realize, yes, when I'm choosing to think about something, stop in that moment, take a breath and then completely pivot and think about something completely different. Like you can teach yourself 
to not go down mm-hmm. that dark path of worry, anxiety, fear, etc. Right. You know, choose faith. Even if you're not a faithful person, choose the, the thought that the future is bright or can be bright instead of thinking about the future being dark. Absolutely. Well, this has been an awesome, awesome interview, Andrea. I, I just can't thank you enough for sharing your story, for the courage that you have in coming online with us mm-hmm. and sharing your story and the vulnerability that you've shown in sharing your story. So thank you so much yes. for just being part of our podcast and being willing to share and help others. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, honestly, like this whole story just reminds me that God does have a plan for us, even for the people who are listening mm-hmm. out there. He has a plan for you and me and Sean and mm-hmm. everyone. And I just think that's really, really cool to know. It's very comforting in itself. And then also, Sean and I are both essential oil using hippies too. So we totally can be friends. I just want you to know that. Hey, I d- we're totally into the oils. Yes. <laughs> just so you know, I we did- have oil parties at night, okay? <laughs> and just so you I know, it. I did 45 minutes of yoga this yeah. morning, my first 45 minute class. Yeah. See, we are, we're, we're, Yay, we're hippies. Look at you. Sean was on it. his That's head. I- he was on his head doing a headstand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a big deal. I love it. <laughs> Hey, That's I hadn't, amazing. I hadn't, I, I've been doing 20 and 30 minute classes for about how long? Six months? Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Five, six months, something like that. And it's really, really helped my back and some back issues that, oh, that I had yes. helped, helped with balance, helped with everything. And, you know, now I'm getting back. I mean, it helps with your peace too. I mean, it keeps yeah. you zen and happy. So yeah, it does. Like, there's, something about the, it, there's something about the flow yeah. and the movement and it just the, feels good. Yeah, we do it. I do it with uh, Pelotons because Jen's got a, a Peloton bike and uh, the app and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just throw it up on my iPad and take a Peloton class. And, you know, it's just it's just been awesome. It's really helped me with um, feeling more, I think, centered oh, and for sure. really my back, you yeah. know, my, my back issues. It's and stuff. all good. There's nothing bad about yoga. It's all good. Well, I'm curious. Exactly. One last question for Andrea. Like you talked about yeah. yoga for trauma. Yeah. What is that all about? Yes. So it's really cool. So they basically take the Sanskrit out of it and it's a science based. So some people are intimidated by yoga mm-hmm. because they think it is headstands and twisting <laughs> and they don't know what a savasana <laughs> is. And so they're like, I can't do it. But because there is so many benefits, like you guys just said, you know, not just with the body, but the mental yeah. aspect of it and how, how it can just bring Zen and calmness over your body. There's so much science behind why it's so good for your body and the people that created this wanted to create something that could help others um, through their traumatic situations that happen in their life and it doesn't everyone's trauma looks different so it doesn't have to be you know something super what you think is traumatic anything right. anything that's traumatic to you is traumatic but it's just a really beautiful practice it's, it's very beginner's based and we do this really cool um we you you, you imagine you know a lantern in your in your hands and you write you know all that negative stuff, that negative talk you've been telling yourself on this land and you get it all out. Cause you know, like I said earlier, you got to get that shit out. (laughs) (laughs) You can't keep it bottled in. No, you got to get it out. And then we let it go. And then we do another little flow. And then we get that lantern, get a new lantern. And then we write all these positive, amazing affirmations, these things we want to speak over our lives, these things that we are. And then we let that go. And it's such a, like, even when I'm teaching it, I almost get tears in my eyes because it's so beautiful. Like, this is what we're speaking over our lives. This is what our life can be and will be. We have yeah. to let go of that other stuff. And it's just, it's just a beautiful practice. It's a beautiful practice. Now, is there a way that locally we can find these classes? I know you're in Florida. Oh my so. goodness. Yes, absolutely. There is, um, I believe if you, you can look them up on Facebook and also online, okay. Trauma Recovery Yoga. And yeah, they have classes like $5 drop-ins, but they also work with like the police department, like first first um, responders, because they're dealing with, you yeah, know, traumatic yeah. situations too. And they need to be loved on and taken care of. And so they have yoga instructors and places like that in all of like a lot of the schools in Las Vegas that are maybe a little bit underprivileged and not great areas. Mm-hmm. They go in and they teach these kids this method. And so they have a tool that they can use to help bring them peace and calmness over their lives. Like 
it's just such a beautiful, it's yeah. a beautiful organization. And I absolutely adore and love what they're doing. And it's actually globally, it's all over, which is really fascinating. Well, I think that's great. I think if, you know, our, our listeners want to uh, check it out, they can check that Facebook page out. I had never done, I'm 49 <laughs> years old. I'd never done yoga. The reality of it is, is I wish I'd been doing it for a lot yeah. longer than I have. You know, I, I, yeah, you, uh, did, you yeah. did good in that headstand. Yeah. I still personally think Shavasana is the hardest because I cannot sit still. Like, <laughs> and honestly, yeah. it's the easiest, but it's the hardest for me. I can for do, those, for those I can that do don't know y- yoga, Shavasana is pretty much laying it's, down on your back. It's still. called corpse pose. I mean, you're, you're laying down, <laughs> but as soon as you get into Shavasana, that's not hard for me. Yeah, that's not hard for you. But as soon as you get there, all the thoughts come into your head and you, you just want to mm-hmm. get up and go. And what do, what do I have to do today? Like your to do list just starts pouring in. So sitting yeah. still even for a minute is it's difficult. So if you can master Shavasana, you're like a yogini. I, I think crow yeah. and yeah. a handstand is a little bit more difficult than Shavasana. No, that's easy for me. <laughs> so easy for me. I'm, I was a gymnast, so it. that's easy for me. But yeah, Shavasana, oh, that's 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 a little bit tougher. Funny you say that because it's actually one of the the most important pieces yep, of it. Of course. Of, of yoga itself is just- being still and quiet of course i don't like the corpse pose i don't want to be in that pose jennifer does not like being quiet let me just say that yeah that's 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 i don't like i don't like silence no you do not no i feel like everyone should be talking all the time well andrea i just i just want to say thank you so much again for coming on and uh sharing your story sharing your truth being your authentic self uh we really really appreciate it and uh, i'm sure our listeners are are appreciating your perspective you know your faith um and your your mindset i just think it's awesome yeah thank you so much thank you i appreciate it thank you thank you thank you for having me on you're welcome Wow, that was awesome. What, what were your thoughts on our interview with Andrea? I just, I'm so grateful that she shared her story because honestly, there are people who have gone through that and, you know, there is hope and the way that she dealt with it, you know, and she overcame. And I just think it was really great for her to share. With yeah, I, I agree. I think that there are a lot of people that have maybe faced something similar mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if you just set aside the specific occurrence of the trauma, at right. least in her regard, just thinking about um, life throwing you a massive curveball right oh, out yeah. of nowhere oh, that yeah. you didn't expect. How do you deal with that? Yeah. And how do you overcome? Because we've all been dealt stuff that we're like, whoa, how are we going to get through this? And so it was great to hear the way that she made it through and you know, it's happy at the end. And yeah, I agree. I think in a former life, um, over 10, 15 years ago, I probably Mm would have, you know, alcohol was my thing. Like you just want to numb the pain going through the 2008, 2009 kind of uh, financial meltdown, the great recession. That was my answer at the time. And so to just to hear someone else move past that, to overcome that and to live their life thriving now. I loved her manifestation. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the, that words matter. I'm going to say that probably every show, but (laughs) words do matter, speaking them out into existence and then waiting for the response. She got a response. She got a rainbow. She got her rainbow baby. You know, what a, just, just what a great conclusion to, you know, kind of her adversity. She sounds like she's doing amazing now and she's got a three-year-old and that's just exciting. Yeah, I agree. Now, one thing she may have to deal with, you know, it's going to be interesting if her parents listen to that because she did share some stuff that they didn't know. So, uh, Andrea, you might have to do a little bit more yoga after <laughs> after that, you know. If- hey, there's, you know, there's no no reason to be ashamed about what you've gone through. It's your story. And yeah. You know what? You lived it and it's just what it is. Well, having four boys, you know, it's like our oldest Colby, he rolls stuff out to us, you know, like I think he's got like a four year buffer (laughs) or maybe it's five year, you know, if it's five years has passed, then he'll, you know, you remember when, you remember when you uh, all of a sudden got, you know, one of your wheels was scratched or (laughs) remember when uh, all of a sudden you were missing X, Y, Z. Well, that's because. He's pretty famous for that. Yeah. I acquired it. That was his thing. He didn't take it. He acquired it. So Colby likes to acquire things. And at Christmas time, you might get a wrapped gift that was yours from a long time ago. <laughs> That's just the way Colby rolls. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten surprise gifts at Christmas time, which was our 
whatever it was we owned. Mine. Yeah, it was mine that we but that he rat. took and then came back <laughs> and so, gave it to us three years later. But you're always surprised because you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen that in like two years. Like I'm so excited. I know for this. So, <laughs> well, if you enjoyed our uh, podcast today, by all means, you can like and subscribe. You can follow us on iHeart Radio. You can follow us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Please give us a like, and if you're so inclined. Please give us a review. Leave us a review about what you think about the podcast, and uh, we're grateful for that. Yeah, a five-star review would be really, really nice. That would be the best. Yeah, that'd be like icing on my cupcake. And then if you know of anybody, this is a grassroots every weekday podcast. We're doing it during the pandemic. If you know of somebody that has a story that would be good for us to share, you know, through this forum, then please let us know. You can send us a direct message in Instagram or on Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast. Um, and please let us know if you know of anybody that would be a good guest. Tomorrow, we're going to have Cornell Thomas on as a guest. This guy's awesome. He's a speaker, author, coach, husband, father, and world life changer. That sounds fun. Yeah. I cannot wait to speak to Cornell. So look forward to that. That's going to be our guest speaker, guest interview tomorrow. Now, on to my thought of the day. This thought of the day is from Bajoy Peters. It's a one-minute speech to kindergartners about hope, and I thought it was very appropriate for our show. Here it goes. First of all, hope is what makes life go forward. It helps you forget the past. It makes you feel that the best is yet to be. In short, hope looks ahead to a better tomorrow. Secondly, hope looks up. It is when the night is dark that stars shine the most. Hope looks up to God when all earthly help fails. In short, hope believes in miracles. Thirdly, hope helps people to hold on. When life is tough and bad things happen, it is hope that says, do not give up. It is hope that helps you to fight one more round. Finally, hope rises in our hearts as we listen to promises. When parents tell us next birthday we'll be buying you this gift, we rejoice in the hope of getting it. When God says, I will not leave you nor forsake you, we get courage by his presence with us. Let me conclude by saying hope is the stuff life is made of. So live in hope. I like that. Did you like that? Yeah. Well, should we do this another day? We should do it tomorrow. Should we do it one more day? A lot of days. All right. You and me, kid. Let's do it. Okay.